our stuff is like it changes every single day, every single week. It's like you have to constantly be sharpening the saw. Otherwise, you're, you're just going to be left behind. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Welcome everyone to the Digital Marketer Podcast, where we talk everything digital marketing from all the platforms that you love to use to all the strategies you utilize to get your clients traffic and build your brands. Today, I have a very special guest. We have uh, Ralph Burns, the founder and CEO of Tier 11, a marketing firm, and they do a ton of work for us. Ralph specifically is one of the reasons why our Perpetual Traffic podcast which you need to listen to if you haven't, has grown to 8 million downloads and was actually named by Apple as being in the top 0.5% of podcasts on the planet. So welcome, Ralph. Great to be here. Happy to be on the other side, not interviewing and uh, interviewing with you. And you've been over in perpetual traffic. So glad to return the favor. Great to be here. Yeah, you you and uh, Cosm, you, you set the bar. I think for for the Digital Marker podcast, which what everyone's listening to is actually at forty to fifty thousand downloads a month, and I know you guys are at three hundred thousand. So it's like setting the bar. <laughs> well, we're fortunate. I mean, all I do is show up and talk, and you guys do a lot of the hard work on the the other side. Hector, we'll you know we'll give him some props here. Of course, oh, yeah. as soon as we say that on a podcast, it like gives him some sort of notification that he should do some editing. <laughs> so we should just say Hector throughout uh, the just whole... Just say Hector. Yeah, just keep saying it just to piss him off. Yeah. But no, it's it's been great. And uh, I would say, you know, as you know, I mean, a podcast is something it's it takes a while to get going, but we've had a lot of sort of phases for perpetual traffic. And the most recent one, I, I think, was sort of a happy accident that we came upon finding this guy, Qasem Aslam, and I think he's really re-energized the show, at least from my perspective. I mean, the the previous uh, you know co-hosts were all amazing, but for him, like we really do hit it off. I really like him personally, and plus we come from opposite sides, and we don't agree on everything, which makes it really interesting, and it makes it a lot of fun. So he's become a really good friend, and you know, people seem to like it, which is always good. So, no, I think people could just, you know, intuitively sense the chemistry between hosts or the not chemistry. <laughs> and I think you guys do balance each other out really well. And it's actually funny because you'll, you'll kind of, you know, banter back and forth and it'll be like, who could be louder or who could say the, <laughs> you know, the bigger statement. <laughs> and it's, He's got a very large brain, so he's tough to compete with. Plus, he's like, I don't know, like 20 years younger. So he's got, <laughs> he all that energy. And he's got <laughs> all that energy. Yeah. So no, he's, he's awesome. He's been so much fun. Look forward to recording it every single week. That's awesome. Well, and you guys are doing a fantastic job. So let's, let's get into it. So I think we were talking about, you were just at AdWorld, right? Talking about scaling agencies. Yeah, actually, on this one, I mean, I've spoken on how to scale an agency a couple of times there. This time they asked me to do some case studies about like the iOS update and Facebook and social media just in general and, and what we're doing inside the agency about all that stuff. And that was a lot of fun to do. We did three individual case studies, really different industries and how we've been able to integrate Facebook with Google, especially, which has been sort of a, a big factor 
to our success, especially in the last year or so. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good conference and and it's virtual, and it was a lot of fun. And I did a Q and A session afterwards, which was great, and got tons of questions. So super super good quality over there. You know, I have a little space in my heart, especially for Traffic and Conversion Summit, of course. So I know there's the two biggest conferences right there. But if you're a digital marketer and you're online you know, doing any sort of online marketing, uh, you, you can't go wrong. You, you pretty much cover everything you need to know between TNC and AdWorld. And yeah, the, the list of speakers was, was pretty awesome. It was quite an honor to be there yesterday. So that was great. Well, I think that's the coolest thing about digital marketing in general is that there's no end to needing to learn stuff <laughs> because even if you're really good at something that could go out the window in like six months or less and then you got to adapt so i think yeah th- those conferences are going to continue to be huge huge drivers yeah it's not like you go to a plumbing conference i mean i know that there's according to they my, do have pl- <laughs> my plumber there are new technologies in plumbing so i shouldn't say that but i mean our stuff is like it changes every single day every single week it's like you you have to constantly be sharpening the saw. Otherwise, you're you're just going to be left behind, you know? So conferences are a great way to do it, that's for sure. That's awesome. Did you notice a kind of theme with the questions that you got asked? Like, were they kind of fear-based or were they optimistic about changes? Yeah, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, the common themes throughout was not, you're never going to solve the iOS issue and you're going to lose tracking. And we just had Chris Mercer on the the Perpetual Traffic podcast a little while back, like only like a week or so ago. And measurement is so important now. It's so much more important now than it ever was. And if you don't have a measurement part of your company or if you're a solopreneur, it's something that you're not focusing on. You're going to be missing out on a lot, but even with that, you're still going to be missing data, especially on the social media platform. So the focus really for us in the last couple of years has been the, the things that you can control and instead of trying to control the uncontrollables. Now, we do have a really good solution. We've got our own um, way in which we track and we also use Facebook and we use Google and we use all the platforms and then we use the source of truth, which might be a Shopify store, what might be a CRM. And we sort of triangulate all of those data points into making good decisions as a media buyer. But the focus of this presentation wasn't necessarily on that. Yeah, you should do the conversions API integration. You should do all the things that, that Facebook tells you to do, but you're still going to have data loss. But at the end of the day, what really does win in today's environment is almost old school advertising, old school marketing. It's doing all the stuff that I know that you know so well, you know, on the content marketing side, but also it's messaging, it's avatars, it's being able to speak in a really deep and profound way of like what people are thinking, what they're feeling, you know, what their psychographics are, not just like their demographics of where they live and who they are. And, you know, if they drive a minivan and they live in Dallas, Texas, and they, you know, do Pilates every single morning and they're age 35 to 45 female with two kids. It's like, that's important. Yeah. And there's all kinds of new ways in which to target, which are really pretty exciting, especially on the Google side. But still the thing that really makes the most difference, at least from my perspective, owning a digital ad agency is messaging. It's messaging, it's it's resonating with that market and then creating front-end creative that really resonates. And when I say creative, I mean ad copy, image, video, everything that goes along with messaging. And that was what the presentation was really about. And all three case studies, that was the, the common thread that came through every single thing. And that's the thing I think that no matter what the tracking is and privacy issues, it's going to be the the one part i think that really does make the biggest difference and then the other side of that is that you know once you actually do garner that attention and get that engagement when they do click the ad not forgetting about there's a landing page that has to convert and has to have the same type of message and i think you know there's cro agencies and then there's ad agencies and it's like can you merge the two together and we do at Tier 11, we've been doing it for two years now, which is great. And it positioned us in a good spot with all these changes that came on down the line and more on the horizon. So I think that was sort of the, the overall a tenor of the talk. 
and really thinking through your entire customer journey or what we call as our customer acquisition path and looking at each individual step along the way and where can you make improvements and then focusing on the areas of weakness and spending most of your time there. And for us, most of that time is spent on front-end messaging, front-end ads, believe it or not. like That's 80% plus of the spend that we do on all our platforms still. And then retargeting is, you know, a 20% and then maybe, you know, uh, cross sells and that sort of thing is maybe 1%. So it's a really huge portion of our spend. So that's where we've doubled down in the last two years. And it served us well through iOS, not that we didn't have challenges, but the point is, is like, that was my, my big sort of pitch to the group instead of like, oh, you know, a newfound hack. It's almost like what's old, old is now new again in a lot of ways in our industry, which is crazy, but it's true. Well, actually, I, I like that because I, I've always liked the creative side of, of marketing, you know, figuring out what message is going to work, who's going to respond to it, who's your actual customer versus who you think your customer is, like all the, the fun stuff of it. And I think, and not that it was a bad, actually, it was awesome for marketing in terms of being able to track everyone doing everything and letting the system kind of retarget based on what it should do. Now you actually have to be, have a good product, have a good message, do good customer service, keep everybody happy. And then it's kind of, it is, it's going back to old school. Here's how businesses used to do it, which for real marketers, it's a good thing because you, you know, now it's not based on some kind of tech. It's based on how have you connected with your client and how how's your client connected with your customer. So I think that's that's huge. And you you actually mentioned you know that there's other upcoming changes. And I'm guessing you're you're talking about Google, right? And the new privacy. Yeah, I mean you've got privacy issues all over. <laughs> you got privacy issues all over the place. Basically, like the the flock update, which you know is a whole other thing. Never, it's not going to be happening, but. Chrome and the degradation of the cookie itself on Chrome is a very real thing. And that's happening in 2023. And Google, I think, has done a pretty good job of navigating through the privacy issues and letting Facebook take all the arrows in the back <laughs> into congressional hearings while they've been sort of waiting in the weeds, you know, collecting, you know, 72 million data points on each individual person in the world. Not really advertising it much, but Facebook took all those shots and but Google now still has so much data on everyone and how that's going to be used and how they'll navigate through those privacy issues is something that will be interesting to see because there's laws that are coming out. The EU is certainly wanting to crack down on Google Analytics and a lot of the other things that go along with it. But online advertising and online marketing is here to stay. It's just a matter of how you're going to be able to navigate through those changes. And I will admit, like three or four years ago, it was easy. It was much easier. You didn't really need all this hard stuff like, you know, taking two weeks to to go through customer service calls and and Amazon reviews and and interviewing CEOs and listening to sales call recordings for like this is what we do as part of our research to find out how do we actually put a message that's out there that speaks to an avatar that talks to a pain point or a desire that's deep and profound, something that they're really feeling. Like we could just do some cursory research and you know, I remember doing a doing a podcast with Molly Pittman, which was which was great. It was called the Ad Grid. And they did that in an afternoon. And that was good enough. And now that's not good enough. It still is a, if you're at least doing that, great. You're well ahead of everyone else that's out there. But now it's got to be even deeper. And it's a process we call the creative lab, but it's basically it's like a lot of deep dive research and a lot of time and then you know really, really thinking it through and 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 having the ability to be able to understand what all this data means about the product, the pain, you know, the desire and the avatar and molding it all together into a message. And that's the stuff that's important now. And it wasn't really as necessary. You could just super target people and do flex targeting on Facebook and voila, you had a business. And I think a lot of those businesses ended up struggling through 2021. And we saw a lot of, we saw that happen firsthand. 
and businesses that probably aren't in business anymore because they were single source, all their eggs in one basket, all their ad dollars in one basket, never diversified, didn't do all the stuff you advocate. And I don't know as if they necessarily had a business. They had a Facebook generated business. You know, it's almost like, you know, you go on Amazon, you create an Amazon business. You're, you're in somebody else's land, really. You know, you don't own the land, you don't own the real estate. And we had businesses that were Facebook only. And now, you know, I would say the majority of our customers are multi-platform just because we've diversified in the last two years, still use Facebook as like, it's a tremendous platform. Let's not kid ourselves here. It's 3 billion active users for Christ's sake, you know? So why not go there? But you do have to think about things differently and it's gotten a lot harder and more expensive. And that's never going to change. I don't think Mark, it's just going to continue to evolve. Well, it's kind of like, you know, if you look at the marketing, like you look at real estate, because real estate, there's always these booms and busts, right? And then when the boom is happening, a bunch analogy. of people get their real estate license. They're like, oh, you know, your cousin's a real estate agent. You're, you know, everybody you know is a real estate agent. And then it goes bust. And then the only people that stick around are those people that have been doing real estate for 50 years. They're still doing the same thing. They have their farm. They have their, you know, passing out the notepads, but they're still doing that same thing. I think that's what's happening with with marketing where it's like, okay, yeah, this was easy before. You could throw up an agency, you know, sign some people up, run some ads, get success for them. And now it's like, nope, how about we take away that cheat code? And now you're going to have to do it for real. Most people are going to be, well, it's actually good for agency owners, real agency owners, because it's like, no, I know what to do. And now you can't go to, you know, Fiverr and have somebody create a, a Facebook ad campaign for you. So it, it sucks, but I think it's overall long-term, it's good for the real marketers. I think there's, yeah, I think, you know, the real estate analogy is a really good one. I always think of the stock market, like when I was trading stocks in the late 90s, that's totally dating myself right now. But anyway, <laughs> like, like everybody was everybody. doing it. And then all of a sudden, March of 2000 hits, and people are like, oh, well, stock market sucks. You know, it's because it, it's hard. You know, it was easy. You could throw a dart at the Wall Street Journal and like, I don't know, like, yeah, I'll buy that stock and then it'll go up. So and it's the same thing here. Real estate is the same kind of thing. Digital marketing is the same thing. There's boom and bust cycles with everything. And I think there was a boom cycle and then there was a bust cycle to a certain degree. And that just means if you're going to stay in it for the long haul, you know, you should be going to AdWorld. You should be going to Traffic and Conversion Summit. You should be listening to this podcast. You know what I mean? And that it becomes vital for the people that really do want to pivot ultimately and succeed in the long term because it's never going to stay the same. So we've certainly seen that firsthand. Well, let's get into to scaling. So I know we, you know, before we kind of got on, we, we talked a little bit about that. Like, how do you how do you run a 100% remote agency? And especially in this environment where we just talked about, like, it's getting more difficult you know, the the professionals are the ones that are constantly developing. How do you kind of find the people you need to run your campaigns plus, you know, maintain the relationship and, and manage them remotely? Yeah, it's a, it's a big, I mean, when I started this whole thing, I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I was fired twice in the corporate world. And the second time I was like, my wife is like, you just really can't work for anybody else. <laughs> so, um, but she had the the great idea to, to sort of force us to be able to live a independent, or location-independent lifestyles. We went on an RV trip for like a year and a half and actually homeschooled our kids whenever they're like six and eight. And they're still pissed off about it to this day, by the way. <laughs> I was like, the, road trip never was like the worst math teacher ever. But we all sort of chose our individual subjects. And I was starting this. I mean, I, I was an affiliate at that point in time. So I didn't really have a choice. And so I decided, well, right then and there, after reading like the four-hour work week, which a lot of marketers did at that point, I just said, well, why do you need real estate? Why do I need like that, you know, two and a half hour commute one way? That was my commute, like to Cambridge from Boston, two and a half hour. One day it took me three hours. And my kids were like two years old at that point in time. Like, this sucks. Like, why do I have to go to one office? So Anyway, so I read the four-hour work week, and then we started this whole business after I was fired from that job. It wasn't because I was late to the job. It was, some, it was a lot of other things. <laughs> That's a story for another podcast. But the point is, is like, why do we need an actual office? And I realized that if I was already running virtual teams, I was running 
a virtual sales team. I ran the East Coast sales division for a Fortune 500 lab and was doing really well at it. But I didn't see all these guys all the time. I saw them occasionally, like once a month or maybe once every couple of months. But I was I was managing them virtually anyway. It was all through you know, the Motorola flip phone way back when there was no such thing as the, you know, the smartphone. But the point was, is I just sort of thought like that would be a cool way of running a business and just kept it that way. And then, you know, my wife said, well, let's do this, this road trip. And we did it, which was amazing. Even though my kids still complain about it, it would actually sort of from a, like a parental standpoint, it was the best thing we could ever do. Like they got all this confidence we saw like the entire country, like all 50 states. It was just amazing. And uh, I'd built this and I took on a couple of customers. And at that point, it was me and a VA. And that VA is actually still with me to this day, which is pretty cool. And then it was just building. All right. Well, I figured out, okay, well, what are the things that I'm doing that maybe I can hire somebody else to do? And maybe I can actually get them to do it better than how I was doing it. So that was sort of the first hire was, okay, I need to find somebody who does this one thing. And at that point in time, it was probably media buying. It was probably like running Facebook ads. And so I hired that one person. And then from that person, I said, well, if I can get another person, then that means I can actually practically triple my sales. And at that point, it was, you know, maybe I was making five, 10 grand a month. Maybe I could go to 20 grand a month. And then it was really, it was all that. And back then, and this is 2010, 2011, it, the more media buyers I could get, the more customers I could get. Because there really wasn't as much of a need for creative. So it was, a, I remember writing this on a notepad and saying, all right, if I got six media buyers, each one of those could have three to four customers and each customer is worth this. And here's what my revenue would be. This is how long it would take me to get to six figures a month. And it was literally that was it. And back then, it was really good margins. <laughs> it was like, you know, 40% net operating income, which is pretty good for an agency, 40, 50%. I had a good markup there. And then it was just like step after step after step. It was hiring people, getting people in that were doing jobs that I either didn't want to do anymore wasn't good at or were preventing me from scaling and i had it wasn't this monitor that i'm looking at right now i had a little note that said what did i what what did i do today that i never want to do ever again and then i just kept writing these lists of people as long as the sales kept coming in and we were pretty good at the sales side i could continue to hire people and it was just one step at a time like very very slow growth i know a lot of agencies you know, grew really, really fast and got bloated. And then the results were sucky. Like I never wanted that to happen. So that was sort of initially, and that hasn't really changed all that much. Like I now look at our business and I say, all right, well, where are the areas that I'm not that great in, but where are the areas that I'm really good at? I want to spend more time doing that and less time doing this stuff. Like we just talked about before the record, like we, we have now somebody who is doing HR for us. It's like, hiring, training, performance appraisals, like all these things I was really super passionate about, but now I don't have time with 70 plus people. It's like, so every step along the way is more of what I did when I first started. It hasn't changed all that much. I just think that, you know, when we grew, I think we did it slowly because performance for the customer and the quality was super, super important. And I never wanted to grow too fast too soon because I didn't want the quality to suffer. And I think that probably cost us probably millions of dollars in revenue, but screw it. You know, I think yeah. it was you the best. Business. Yeah, it was the plan we had and it, and it worked. That's awesome. Well, I think for a lot of agencies out there, it's the, the hiring process is always scary. The selection process is scary. The procedure development process is a lot of work. Like a lot of people just kind of either don't do it or they stay at the same level and they never scale. So it's, I think your, your concept of like one baby step at a time, don't go crazy. Cause that's when I was, you know, in college and, and growing up, I always looked at the, the IPs from the initial web boom. Remember where it was like, you could start any website company and it just, here's a hundred million dollars from, 
from VCs. And I looked at that. I'm like, man, how did they do that? Like, how do you go from not existing to having 500 employees and have that go well? And big surprise, it didn't go well. (laughs) Like, it was instant bloat. Yeah, I mean, I I guess you can do it. Like for for maybe a more sophisticated business person, I mean, maybe you you can't. Like, I, maybe I just don't have that you know genetic makeup. But I just didn't really feel like that was the smartest way to do it. And I know some of our competitors did it that way, and then it ended up selling. But their churn was huge. And it just always, still to this day, if and when a customer ever leaves us, it's I'm still pissed off, you know, still hurts, you know. So that, I think, has prevented us from having astronomical growth. But at the end of the day, I, you know, hit the pillow at night and I feel pretty good about what we're doing. And I think that was the smarter way to go. You know, and your business. Yeah. And we, we did stay in business. And as a result, we... You know, we've we've weathered a few storms along the way, which is which has been good, and I think it's a direct result of that mindset. Oh, I I completely agree with that because I think it's it's always the ten. Because I I did the same thing when I had my agency. As I sat down, had you know my whiteboard, and I'm like, okay, if I'm going to make this, you know, a, a seven figure agency, what do I need to do? And I wrote down my organizational chart, put prices on every person I'd have to pay, and then I was like. Uh, I'm gonna make the same amount of money, but I'm gonna have to manage ten people. <laughs> so I'm like, All right. nope. <laughs> so I stayed super small, and you know, led to my current position because this is this is what I wanted to do was teach people about marketing in the first place. Mm-hmm. So when it was like, okay, yeah, I could grow a business, have to have a ton of people in it, but I'm not gonna be able to do the creative stuff that I like to do because that's a function that shouldn't belong to me if I have a bunch of employees. And yeah, it's, it was a choice, but I think, I think your way is the safe, scalable, you know, long, has a lot of longevity to it, which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point. You know, I chose to go this path because that's what I wanted to do. You don't have to do it. I remember like the, when I was, we have a real estate company too, and sort of in between one of those firings, I really sort of ramped up that that real estate company we started buying you know more and more rental properties and i remember i had a plumber this guy mike tellier and i was like he he was a guy in a truck which is sort of like i belong to a a couple of networking organizations so it's sort of a joke like the guy in a truck like that's him like the local plumber but anyway so he's a guy in a truck but at one point he was a guy with like 12 trucks and I remember he said something as we were like, I don't know, we were digging out a sewer pipe or doing something god awful, like a rainy Wednesday afternoon. And I'm in like hip waders and like there's a broken sewer. And he and I are like hand digging this thing out. I'm like, why did you go from like 12 trucks down to one? He's like, exactly what you said. He's like, I thought it was going to make more money and be happier. And I ended up making less money and I was miserable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had 12 trucks with my name on it. Like, who cares? And he realized, and I, it was a really important point as I sat there in the, you know, the pile of crap that we were shoveling. I said, like, it was a really important point. I was like, do I want to be that or do I want to be something else? And for me, it was always like this strong desire to just build something great. And that's, I guess, what gets me excited. But it's like, you have to know what you want to do. Like, if it, if you just want to be, and it's not a just, it's if you want to be a solopreneur and doing the thing that you love to do, great. If it's doing that, influencing more people and not doing that thing, then that's great too. You know, if you want to build a billion dollar company and scale to the moon and maybe sacrifice a long way. And I've talked to other agency owners that have done this and sold for like 600, $700 million. It's like, you have to be able to accept the fact that your quality is going to decrease as you increase in size it's like where's your sweet spot and i think as an entrepreneur that's a journey and that's a question only you can answer really and like you got and that just comes with experience and figuring out what you like to do and what you hate to do well i think that that final destination too makes a huge difference because i you know i kind of went to school for business planning specifically and it was like if you're going to sell your business you need to grow it a certain way. If you want the business to last forever, you need to grow it a certain way. If you just want to have a job that you own so you don't never have a boss, you need to grow it a certain way. But if you, you can't 
well, you see people do it all the time where it's like, you know, some some guy who built a business for 40 years and somebody comes to him and says, I'll give you 500 million. And he's like, sold. And then he's miserable because his life was running that business and he just sold it because there was an opportunity versus, you know, building it to sell. Like my, my initial company, why I'm in Austin is because I sold one of my businesses to a company out here. And that's what I thought I wanted. I built the business to sell it. I wanted to sell a business. And then I did it. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm just starting another business. <laughs> and then I just went into starting another business. I'm like, okay, well, I did it. And now I know that I that's not something that is great for me because I'm just going to do it again. So Yeah, yeah. No, you, you ha- it's like you got to know. And... We're in a space right now where um, there are a lot of there's a lot of venture capital that's out there just in general. There's tons of private equity that's that's out there, and the agency space, especially digital marketing, is is a hot space. And I think it'll continue to be that way for a couple of years now. And you know, we've talked to all these folks, and it's like, well, what would I do if I did sell? Like, what would I want to do? I said I probably still want to be doing what I'm doing right now. So I've I've built it to sell it but with the intention of not selling it because like the systems that are in place are good systems that somebody could come in and take it over the point is it's like i don't want to i want to stay in this industry and i want to do it and i want to but i also want to have like a lifestyle that's that's you know not working 90 hours a week so with that comes people that used to do the things that you used to do and you're trying to do the things that you really are in your unique ability. But for me, like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to have that type of influence. But if that's not your thing, great. And if your thing is to build it and then sell it, you should know like what you want to do afterwards. And that's, I've talked to a lot of people about that. And that's exactly what you say. It's like, there's a lot of challenges to that. Sometimes they, you know, get out of it and they're like, oh, now my life is meaningless. I mean, a lot of you start over. Yeah, and you have to start all over. And like, well, what do I know how to do? I know how to build businesses. I'm going to start and build another one. Or you go do something completely different, like you know, like you've done here. It's like whatever your journey is, you really should be asking yourself that question along the way because sooner or later, if you work hard enough, you'll have options, you know, to be able to do whatever it is that you really want to do. And I think that is the goal of life to a certain degree. <laughs> Not to get too overly philosophical, but. You know, you want to be doing stuff every single day that actually you enjoy and it gives you energy. And if that's running a business, great. If that's sitting on a beach, you know, reading books all day after you sell your business, great. If that means, you know, doing consulting or working for somebody else, as much as you can, try and figure that out. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Well, and I, you know, I always laugh because when I was growing up, I was like, I'm going to retire at 30. Like, I'm going to just make a bunch of money, retire at 30, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's like, what would you do? <laughs> what, yeah. would, what would fill your time? Because I, you know, for me, even though I have hobbies, like they always end up going back to the thing I know how to do. Like my my wife likes chickens. So we have all these chickens. I'm like, well, how do I make this potentially make money in some place? So I made a, a website called Declan's Hens and it's I'm building it as a content platform. 
And then I, I was reviewing donut shops because I was, you know, on vacation. My son, he's autistic and he wakes up super early in the morning. Didn't want to wake up the family. So I'd take him out at five in the morning. And that's like, where do you go? I'm like, oh, donuts. And so I start going to all these donut shops. And I'm like, oh, I should make a donut blog. And so I have a donut blog. <laughs> so it always, that's great. Even if you try to get away from the thing that you do and maybe you're really good at, you're probably not going to get away from it. So just realize that and try to make money off of it is, is what I've done. I'm, I'm not saying everybody should do that, but it's where you might end up if you sell your business and you have time. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that you figured out. And I think a lot of people don't really know. I mean, to be in the position to be able to sell a business is a good position just to begin with. But like, then you got to future pace yourself. All right. Well, what would I actually do here? Like, you can only play so much golf, I suppose. I mean, not that I'm like a great golfer or anything, or, you know, spend all that much time on the beach and reading books or whatever. Like, you still, like, all your friends are still working. Yeah. It's like, it's not like, like as soon as you retire, you'll have all this like great yeah, time. social time. It's yeah. Like, so, like with kids, because kids get older, you know, yep, it's yep. nice when they're young, but they will not want to hang out with you all the time when they that start is true. <laughs> advancing. We are at that phase, Mark, and you will get to that phase, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, uh, that's why I try to do all these projects with my son. I'm like, I'm never going to regret using all this time because it's going to end. And I know it's going to end. And so there you go. But yeah, I think there's there's definitely some fantasy involved when people are like, I'm going to stop working. No, you're not. <laughs> Unless you're one of those people that can. Sometimes I envy those people where I'm like, wow, you just watch TV all day and you're satisfied. Like, that's awesome. That's so low energy and doesn't require any work. Like, that's great. Yeah, I, I I think of my father-in-law, who's, who's older now, but I mean, he retired when he was 65 and retired from the family business. And that's kind of when I got to know him when I was, you know, dating my wife, now, now my wife. And it, it's like, it's the worst thing I ever did. Like, I don't know what I was thinking because he loves, he loved working. It was, I mean, his work is very different than my work. You know, his idea of like a great time is getting on the seat of a backhoe and like digging holes. Like that's what he loves to do. And that was like his business. And, and so occasionally he'll be able to do that. And now he's, you know, he's got some health conditions, but I would never forget that, you know, like retirement isn't all it's cracked up to be. You ha And it also made him, you know, borderline depressed. They get like, he didn't stimulate anything in his mind. Like all these things, like these are these are rich guy problems, I suppose. If you're like, if you're retiring, if you're thinking about retirement, but I mean, I think everybody does need to think about it. Even if you're starting now, like think about it 20, 30 years from now, like what do you want to be doing? You know, because sitting around the house and now I go over to this house and he's watching Netflix, you know, like that's what he does all day now. I'm like, Oh my God, like that's, I don't want that life. So, you know, that might be nice for like a week. That'd be really yeah, cool. Everybody needs some time yeah. off, but yeah, <laughs> right. overall, you're you're gonna live a lot longer than you think most of the time. Dude, you know, a lot true. of people just think in terms of like, oh yeah, I'm you know, I, well, people don't think in terms of anything other than the next paycheck for the most part. I mean, the typical person is just survival, and typical business owner is just survival, and there's no extension to it. But if they could get out of that mindset and think like, okay, where do you want to end up? Like, ideal, everything goes well in the world, you accomplish everything you want what are you doing tomorrow? And it's like, okay, well, I'd start a podcast. It's like, okay, well, just do that right now. <laughs> it's no big deal. Just go, just try it. You know, you, you might realize you hate it. Now it doesn't have to be on your goal list. You're, you're, you're doing good. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of the two best times to plant a tree, like 30 years ago and or today. Today. Exactly. You know, it's like, do it now, put in the work. Like if you think that's going to be your next step, because it eventually will, start to gain momentum as long as you do it consistently as you know especially in the podcasting world or whatever it happens to you do yeah you know, it could be well and i think a good way to look at it too is like if you have that day off like what do you fill that day off with is it you know hanging out with your kids like okay hang out with your kids or, or what do you do then like what's your hobbies what would you want to do more often and not just golf because i think it's like and actually i mentioned this on podcast before is jordan peterson where he's like you know, your life is not the sitting on 
uh, beach in Fiji sipping Mai Tais. That's not your life. That's a vacation that takes up a very small percentage of your time. Your life is, how does your family greet you when you walk in the door? That's your life because it happens every single day. And that's a, that's the indicator. So I think it's, it's tough to get people's mindset out of the fantasy land and just be like, no, just do a, a logical assessment, figure out where you want to go, work towards that, or just start doing it. You know, that's, I think that's the coolest part of right now, especially with digital marketing and, and digital business in general, is you could literally just start, just go, you know, don't set up your LLC, don't do the business crap, just try to sell something. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. Or create an audience, just like you're doing with the donut blog. Yeah, you know that you gets know what more I mean? attention than anything else I do. <laughs> the yeah, it's well, great. For me, for me, I'm just like, oh, I could, you know, my monetization concept was eventually I want to have a donut franchise. Like if I retired tomorrow and you said, what are you going to do with your time? I'd be like, well, I'd probably open a donut shop, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous, but it's like I talk about it all the time. I have a blog. I've assessed a lot of donuts. <laughs> it makes sense for me. <laughs> you have an idea, like yeah. And even if it doesn't work out, it's fun along the way. Yeah. Well, that's that's the hard part. You have to tell people it's like most things aren't going to work out. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's that's business and life. And I had a conversation with a friend about that. It's like, you know, he said his biz- biggest fear in the world is failure. And I'm like, oh, I do that a lot. <laughs> like that is that is not my biggest fear. It's just a not a habit, <laughs> but it's an occurrence, and I'm used to it, and it's fine. It happens to everybody. So, no, thank you. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's cliche. The more you fail, the more chances you have to succeed. I mean, I, I got it. Like, it's just it, it's so important. It's just, I mean, that's one of the things that I try and instill in my kids. And like, even in the employees at Tier 11, it's like, you, you do need to try stuff. And, and especially in the advertising world, I mean, it is about, you know, the failure rate of a major league baseball player, like the average, the average batting average in, in the majors, it's like 245. I think it might be actually sort of less this year, which means that well over seven out of 10, like almost eight out of 10 times they're failing, you know? And I think that's about right in advertising. Now, you know, you get like one in 10 is like a, I wouldn't even say a home run, but I mean, it's something that's going to be able to catapult, a campaign and move it in the right direction. Like, don't be afraid of trying stuff and crazy ideas as long as it's, you know, within brand guidelines and, you know, not against policy and all these other sorts of things. But like, that is the key to everything. The more you try and the more you fail, the more you're potentially going to succeed. And people don't want to take that risk. They don't like want to have the fear of embarrassment. I and mean, I have one, two, I have two firings and three failed businesses. Like I don't, care at this point it's like i'll keep trying like this worked and then whatever will work next i know it probably won't succeed but you know you have to put yourself out there to be able to do that and i think i think that's what that's what prevents a lot of people from from even starting a business is just that it's like trying all these things and you know seeing which stuff works whether or not it's the donut blog or you know whatever it happens to be it's like just put yourself out there and i think that's that is the ultimate key to success it's kind of simple and cliched but it's true it is just well for me i'm always i was writing a book oh i'm supposed to finish it this year but i was just you know it's it's called oh my god just go and it's just my experience wearing my agency with 300 companies and being like you know if you just tried <laughs> there's a good chance something will work systematically try something and there's a good chance it'll work and then most people just do nothing and then they or they go halfway they do the fun stuff and then they stop and so we can talk about that stuff forever but rounding back to the scaling an agency and just digital marketing profession in general you don't have to worry about failing because you're going to because there's methods out there of marketing that are probably going to pop up in the next 6 to 12 months and nobody's going to know about them. So you're in good company because we're all going to keep on learning together as long as you try. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it. I mean, I think even if you, you know, like if you look at sort of tier 11 through the years, is we've pivoted so many different times. And I remember the, the Lean Startup book from Eric Reese, which was probably 20, 2009, 2010 in that area. 
it's like I talk about the pivot. And we've pivoted from an ad agency, like an affiliate company, to an SEO, to pay-per-click, to then Facebook, and then two, three years ago, seeing sort of the writing on the wall, understanding that privacy is becoming more and more of an issue, CPMs rising. We pivoted and changed our direction slightly without changing our focus to you know more full service media as well as after the click email like all these other add on services and not all of them worked right out of the gate. It's like we would, I, I think when you're a business owner, I, I love the idea of and I know Dice is a huge believer in this book is ready fire aim. I always want to say ready, aim, fire, ready, fire, aim. And that really is like the way that we run things. It's like, oh, we got an idea. Let's test it out. Let's go sell it, fulfill on it, call it a beta program, see how it works, doesn't work. So when we launched our after the click division, which was sort of a departure from what we were doing, like that's how we did it. But like, I don't know how it's going to work. Let's sell it. We did. We had three customers. They all wanted to renew after the end of three months. That was a clear cut signal for me, like this is something that we need. And so then we built out a division and now it's a it's a significant portion of our revenue. Same thing with the other platforms. You know, what's the easiest thing to do when you're a Facebook advertising agency? What's the easiest thing for you to do? Well, they look at Facebook and then they go over and they Google search whatever the brand name is. Okay, let's add that. And that was an easy add-on. At first, we just sort of rolled it into ad spend. Now we charge a fee for it. It's like you just sort of try stuff. And this is probably like a a Reed Hastings expression. Is like we're building the airplane as we like jump off the cliff. And like we're putting on a wing here and a propeller over here. And we haven't landed quite yet. You know, we're still sort of building it. And I think that's actually fun. And if you get people on board, you talk about how to lead a virtual agency, you get buy-in from everybody about that. It's like, hey, this is a new thing we're doing. It's like, you're going to be the person in charge of this. You know, and I want you to be the one that, you know, you got to be able to hire the right people to be able to do it. But they feel a part of building that something great. And they're input is valuable it's not like oh it's being handed down from ralph like on high here's your tablet this is how it's going to be no it's like i'm putting you in charge this is where we want to go how you get from point a to point b is up to you now i'm going to make sure that i help you along the way you know give you the resources but that's how we've been building stuff you know for the last 10 years and especially in the last two three years came out with nine products in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. I had no idea if Tier 11 was even going to be around in six months. I guaranteed everybody employment through the end of the year. I said, all right, we're going to launch like a ton of new products. We got our best year ever in 2020. Now, a lot of online companies did as well. So it wasn't really that much of a, a thing. But at that point in time, March of 2020, I was scared shitless. You know, like we didn't really know as we get our explicit rating on, on iTunes. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, but no, like we didn't really know. So we were launching things and trying things based upon what we saw the market wanting and really being in tune with our customer. And I think as a business owner, you have to do that. And that's like that pivoting thing that Eric Reese talked about in, in the Lean Startup. And I think that's how you ultimately become more and more successful. Because like we talked about this in the beginning of the show, it's like there's so many changes that are happening. If you just stayed and did the same thing, you're screwed. You really are, because if you never change, you're just going to evolve and you're going to become a, a dinosaur. And well, a and yeah, I think that's always been said, but now it's like now it's really, really, really true. Like there's, you know, everything's moving so fast that you have to be on top of it, or you're going to fall behind instantly. Instead of being like twenty years go by and you fell behind, it's like now it's like a couple months go by or six months go by. But just to to reinforce your point about you know just trying something and seeing how it goes. We just did that with our head of marketing bootcamp. We launched it, wasn't technically planned, launched it, sold it out. And then to verify, we did it again and we sold it out again. And it was, and now we're going There's through your the, signal. And now we're going through the process of like, okay, how do we systematize creation? How do we systematize procedures and management and all that kind of stuff? But we didn't spend six months putting it together to be like oh let's see if this works and then it doesn't and it's a huge waste of time it's like no we we did it and it works now we can spend the time so i think that's that's an awesome point yeah oh i love it 
I love it. Yeah. I mean, when I was selling lab laboratory stuff, well, basically it was like lab testing. We would create assays for individual customers out of thin air and see if we could sell them. And if we sold them, we're like, all right, then we went back to the lab and it's like, let's productize them. It was the same thing. I mean, so many great companies just go out and do what you're talking about. But the ones that don't succeed, I think are the ones that seek perfection first and I'm a, totally a perfectionist, but I've gotten rid of that part of me in order to just like get it out there. And I know Dice is a huge believer in the ready, fire, aim, you know, principle. And I think that's how you have to be in especially our business right now is see what sticks and then perfect it after you get proof of concept, which is exactly what you guys did. Yeah. After it's worth perfecting. That's that's the big point there. Well, I think this is hopefully people got some, we went kind of all over the place a little bit, but hopefully people got some good content for there in regards to, to scaling, you know, the, the current environment and how to, to combat, you know, having a failed business is to, to try, <laughs> just try and go, trying. And, you know, and then perfect. But thank you so much for coming on. I think, I think it's enormously valuable, especially when you, when you did mention like, oh, you know, I got fired from a couple of jobs and I started this business and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, people need to hear that because if we get them over the fear of failure, I think we'll see a lot more neat stuff happening. Yeah. I love the failure stories myself. I mean, you learn more from failure than success anyway, but yeah, it, and it doesn't just humanize you. It's actually real. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, just being human. Yeah. It's more fun to talk about that stuff. As long as it's in the rear view mirror. God, I wouldn't want to have to go through it again. <laughs> you want mid, midway. That's, that's always sad. <laughs> well, thank so you so true. much for coming on, Ralph. Where can people learn more about you? Yeah, I mean, over at tier11.com. Just Google us. And that, that we're in the middle of a, of a website redo. So it might be sort of partially under construction, depending on <laughs> when, this, right. when this airs. But yeah, tier11.com. I mean, you can, you can follow me over at t- Twitter or Ralph HB. But yeah, tier11 is the best place to go. So Awesome. And definitely check out the Perpetual Traffic podcast. You guys are coming out with episodes every single week. And uh, we'll see if we can break that half million dollar mark in the next three months. I'm going to set a crazy projection. <laughs> yeah. Goal is to be the number one pod, the marketing podcast in the world. So we're hopefully on our way. Yeah. That's perpetualtraffic.com too. You can get our shows over there. So awesome. We'll put those that. links in the, the profile as well for this episode. So thank you cool. again, Ralph. Thank you everyone else for tuning in and tune in next time for more tips and tricks on marketing. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva Holiday Promo Pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The Promo Pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.